wow, <laughs> was this a day. <laughs> I mean, for real, this was the day. But for me to explain it to you, I'm going to need to walk you back just a little bit. You see, things at the office have been just moving so fast. The, the boss had kind of been tightening the screws on me and uh, had this big proposal that uh, I've been working on for months. And so, man, I, I'm talking, I have been skipping everything. I've been skipping church. I've been skipping dinner. I've been skipping the kids' games. I've been skipping everything, man, but I, I, I had to do it. I had to get this proposal done, and so it came the day to where the, the proposal had to be ready on this day, and so I, I'm driving to the office, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the house before the kids and my wife are even up, and so uh, I, I get, you know, I park the car, and I, I, I get to the, the office, and, and there he is, man, Joe. He's always at the door. Joe, uh, man, I don't even know Joe's last name. Uh, Joe the security guard. And every morning, it's always the same. Hello there, Mr. Mathewson. Now, that's, that's my name, by the way. I'm David Mathewson. And he says, hello there, Mr. Mathewson. How are you today? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm good, Joe. Has the Lord been good to you, Mr. Mathewson? Oh, yeah, Joe, uh, the Lord's been real good to me, yeah. Well, just remember, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Don't forget that, Mr. Matthewson. Okay, Joe, yeah, I won't forget it. The guy drives me nuts. That sunny disposition all the time, you know, just kind of gives me the willies. So I, I, I go up to the fifth floor, get out on the elevator, I'm, I'm making my way to my office, got a thousand things on my mind. I open the door, and doggone it, she's there again, the, the cleaning lady. And I, I've told her a thousand times, when I come into that office, I want it clean. I don't want you in the office when I'm, when I'm there. And, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to ignore her. I've got too many things on my mind. So I, I come in, and I, I sit down, and she's, uh, how are you today, sir? Uh, yeah, and so I, I'm just trying to ignore her and get to work here. And, and she's, she's w wiping off the pictures behind my desk, and she's, she's wiping off the picture of my wife. And she says, your wife is a beautiful woman, Mr. Matthewson. Yes, the Lord has been good to you, hasn't he, Mr. Matthewson? And all your children, oh, they are so precious. The Lord has been so good to you, hasn't he, sir? And, and I'm, I'm just doing, doing my thing. And so she, she, she gets the hint. She, she makes her way to the door, and she, she, she looks back at, at me, and she says, you know, Mr. Matthewson, I pray for you all the time. I pray for your wife. I, I pray for your kids, and I'm, okay, awesome, thank you. And so you know, she got out of there. I'm getting all the things done. People are coming in because, again, we're, I mean, it's coming down to crunch time, and so we're jamming like crazy. Some people had dropped the ball, and so, you know, I'm, I'm yelling at them, you know. But, I, again, I've got this proposal. They, they know what they're supposed to be doing, and then they just didn't do it. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting up in their stuff, but... Man, lo and behold, 
it needed to be done at two and it was noon it was done and i was like hey man i, I might actually not have to skip lunch today maybe i can get to lunch so i get in my car i'm making my way to 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 get something to eat and it happened <laughs> it happened man the the rapture happened you know, in my church, we used to sing, one day he's coming, you know, and because we were singing about one day that would happen, it always seemed to me like it was like incessantly in the future, and, and wow, lo and behold, it happened, and oh my goodness, if I could just tell you what happened from there, I, I, I'm came up into the sky and I made my entrance into heaven. And what I saw right from the very beginning, it was like, when I got there, it was like this massive foyer. And in the midst of the foyer, like above the doors, there was this huge book and, and above it, it said the book of life. And you could see thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions, even billions of names in there. But as you, as you walked by it, I could see my name, Daniel James Matthewson. And I, 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 I walked in and I'm, I'm just beholding everything that, that, that's going on in this incredible place. And I didn't even know how to describe what it was like. It was like if you've ever seen like a ticker tape parade. I mean, it, it was just millions of people. And there was just such jubilance. And there was such joy. And there was singing. And there was, there was shouting. It was just all so amazing. And so, whew, man, I, I needed to just kind of catch my breath a little bit and so I went over and sat on one of the walls of Jasper just started taking it all in and have you ever have you ever felt like somebody is like with you <laughs> it felt like somebody was was there and I said hello and all of a sudden a, a voice op from over here said hello and I'm like hey, well, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm Muriel. And I'm saying, well, what are you? And he says, I, I'm an angel. And I said, wow, man, I've never met an angel before. And he says, well, I've known you. I've, I've known you since you were born. And I'm like, are you like my guardian angel? And he's like, well, you know, we don't refer to it like that up here but if if that's the way it works for you yeah okay i'm i'm your guardian angel and i'm i'm like hey listen man i'm glad you're here because man this is all just so much i've got i've got so many things that i i want to ask you and, and and man can you can you just tell me how all this this works and so he, he began to talk to me about how things worked in this arena 
And he began to tell me that in this place, communication is different. And he says, you know, down on the earth, you guys had to do that verbal communication. And he was explaining to me that up here, you know, we can just kind of think and we can get it connected. And so he said, give it a try. And so I thought and he thought and I thought and he thought and we kind of carried on a little conversation. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And then he said, not only is communication different, but Time is different up here. You know, we've, we've entered into a different arena. And time in this place is, is, is elastic. It, it, you can't think of it in terms of, of time like down there on a 24-hour clock. It, it's not that way up here. Things that might have taken five years down there is just, it's just a, like a second uh, up here. And then he told me that there's something else that's different is, is eyesight is different here. And, and he says, you know, things that are like 30 miles away, you can just focus your eyes and bring them right into view so that you can see them right there in front of you. And, and so, I, I'm, I, wow, yeah, these are some awesome things, man. And all those things that he was telling me were going to come in handy in just a, a little while. And he said, but uh, listen, it, it's time now. For you to go to your judgment and i'm like say what my I, i'm already here man i mean am i going to get shipped back or or, or what he goes oh no 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 it, it's it's not a judgment to determine whether or not you're gonna make it okay hey you received christ and so you you're here but there is a a judgment that every child of God is going to experience where you will stand before the presence of your Lord. And all of a sudden, man, in the midst of all of the jubilance, and all of a sudden, man, I, it was like, it took my, my, my breath away. I was like, uh, I, it, it wasn't fear. Uh, maybe the best way that I could describe it is like, you know, when you were a kid and you're just really sick, you felt really bad, and your mom told you you had to go to the doctor. You know, it's kind of like that, where you, I felt like, yeah, I feel so bad, but I want to go ahead and go to the doctor so I can feel better. It was, it was kind of like that. Yeah, okay, if there's going to be a judgment and I'm going to answer for stuff, yeah, I'd kind of like to just go ahead and get that out of the way. And so Muriel took me and he took me through and we, we began to see off in the distance it was like a it was like a, a a stadium that we could see you know how sometimes when you're flying in, in the air and you come over a metropolitan city and you see the stadium and, and you come over that thing it was kind of like that but when we the, the further we got the closer we got to the stadium i i saw that this thing was absolutely massive it was miles and miles wide and miles and miles long and it was almost like a metropolitan city in itself and so we we got to the gates of 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 the arena and i i i said to muriel come on man and he said no this isn't for us this is for you this is for the bride of Christ. This is for 
the body of Christ. And I'm like, dude, you can't leave me now, man. And, and he says, hey, you know, the angels will be, will be above, will be watching, but, but this is for the body of Christ. And so, man, I made my way in. And, and I'm, I'm looking and I'm just seeing millions and millions of, of people. And as I focus my eyes and I'm able to bring people in, I'm, I'm seeing people that, that I forgot that I even missed. And, and it was such a joy to be able to see them. And so I'm looking for a place to, to sit down. And so uh, I, I, everybody's seated. I, I saw a seat over there. And so I, I make my way, excuse me, excuse me. And so I, I, I sat down. And I sat next to a, a man. And, and when I sat down, he, he says, who are you? And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm Daniel Mathewson. And he says, when and where are you from? And I had heard people say, you know, where are you from? But I've never heard somebody say, when and where are you from? And I began to understand that what this really was, was all of the people through all of the church age that had known the Lord. We were all in his presence and he wanted to know what period of time I was from and where I was from. And I said, well, I was one of those that was alive and remained on the earth when the Lord came. And he goes, oh, you had the thrill of being raptured. And I said, yeah, it was awesome, man. And he says, so, so where are you from? And I, I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm from America. And I, I said, so who were you? And he says, I am in Jura Nagasaka. And I said, when and where are you from? And he says, well, I'm, I'm from Japan. And I'm from the 17th century. And, and I said, 17th century? Wow, I didn't even know that there were believers in Japan in the 17th century. And he said, yeah, when those wooden trade ships came to my country, they didn't just have goods with them. They also brought missionaries. And missionaries came to my country and learned my language so that they could share with me the, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And I received the Lord as, as my Savior. And he says, now, uh, there were a lot of people in my village that, that came to know the Lord, and, and some of their masters came to know the Lord, but my, my, my master didn't. And, and he persecuted me, and a, a great persecution broke out in our area. And because we were proclaiming that Jesus Christ died on a cross, what they did is they constructed crosses and they nailed us to crosses. And we died. And hearing that, I, it almost took my breath away. I, 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 just, I just started looking down and... and he, he said to me, what, what's wrong? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain this, but I see it all so differently now. You know, when I was on the earth, I was so afraid of being persecuted. And now hearing your story, I, I think to myself, I missed out on something. 
you were able to fellowship with our Lord in a whole different way than I ever did because you entered into the fellowship of his suffering. And it wasn't like I was jealous. I, I just felt like I had I'd missed out on, on some key aspect of what it was supposed to be for me to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who was called to suffer. And, and he tried to console me and say, hey, you know, those things are, they're, they're in the Lord's hands. And, and then as we're having this conversation, all of a sudden, this huge angel came to the center of the stage he had this huge staff, and he beat it on the ground seven times. Five, six, seven. And there was not a movement in the entire stadium. And then he said, Sons and daughters of the church age, may I present to you your master, your king, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all of a sudden, man, all over this stadium, man, everybody stood to their feet and they screamed and they shouted and they clapped and clapped. And oh my goodness, I have never experienced anything like it before. Finally, to see him face to face. And he looked out and he says, Welcome, my precious ones. Welcome, my bride. Through my word, I tried to communicate to you just how much I love you. And I want to say it to you face to face. I love you with all of my heart. And we were so taken back by the love that we were experiencing from, from him. And then he said, and now I would like to present to you my father and your father and I don't know how to describe to you but we were hearing holy 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 and it was it was so unbelievable it it looked like a cube and we could see four creatures on, on, on each of the, 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 the corners of it. And, and as we, we looked in where these, these four creatures actually were, there were lights and colors that were out of our spectrum. I can't even put it into words because I, I've, I've never seen anything quite like it. And, and inside of the lights were 
moving parts, and inside of the moving parts were, were other moving parts, and, and yet we were understanding that even this wasn't really the full manifestation of the presence of this holy God. And upon seeing the Lord Jesus Christ risen and glorified, and seeing this manifestation of God the Father, all of a sudden we, we fell to our knees. I understood exactly what John was talking about. When he said, I fell on my face. I was afraid to move a muscle. There was complete awe. Complete silence. And all of a sudden we heard the Lord speak to us. And he says, I, I want you to rise. And so we began to make our way up, and all of a sudden, music began to play. And it was like we just intrinsically knew the words of the song as we praised the Father and the Son.
Man, I don't know how long we worshipped, man. But I thought to myself when we were singing, holy, holy to the Lord, that when I was on the earth, I didn't get it. I remember being in my church, and we would sing, and I would stand there with my hands in my pockets and mutter words but oh my lord I thought to myself man if I could go back after just experiencing this if I could just go back man I would worship him I wouldn't care what anybody thought I wouldn't care what anybody said. He is worthy, and I just never saw it the way that I saw it then and just thought to myself, man, I missed out on all of the rehearsals for this. Because that's what I, I, I began to understand, that when we would gather, it was all in preparation for this great day. And so, as we finished worshiping, Jesus rose from his throne. And he took center stage. And he looked at us and he said, now my beloved, we are about to begin the judgment. 
And he began to explain to us what this judgment actually was. And he says, every single one of you will will be evaluated before me individually and, and before all. And there will be certain criteria that you will be used in making this evaluation. First of all, he says you will, you will be judged by the quantity of your works. And he began to explain to us what he had explained to us so clearly in his word that our salvation was not by our works. But once we had received that salvation from him, that we were saved to work. And, and I, he, he reminded us of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, coming off of the heels of, for by grace are you saved through faith. And he began to remind us that he created us unto good works. And we are his workmanship so that we could work. I began to go, oh my. He reminded us of Titus chapter 3 and and verse 8 where he had clearly told us again that salvation is by grace and it's not by our works, but he said because of that grace that we were to be careful to maintain good works. He reminded us of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 where he told us to abound unto every good work. And so, first of all, he explained that we would be judged by the quantity of our works. And then next he explained that we would be judged by the quantity of our works, not compared to someone else, but compared to the resources that he had given to us. And he reminded us that We had received the resource of his very life by his spirit. He reminded us that we had received his word. He reminded us that we had received the gospel. He reminded us of the talents that he had given to us and the gifts and the finances and and the people that had invested into our lives. And so he reminded us that the quantity of our works would be based on what resources we had been given. And he reminded us, to whom much is given, of him shall much be required. And then he explained the third part of this judgment, that we would be judged according to the quality of our work. And he reminded us of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, where he told us very specifically to judge nothing before the time and i i recognized this was the time and what he told us is that at this time he was going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness because sometimes some of the works that we do look like they are of great quality But there's darkness there because of our motive. And he said what would happen is the the counsels of our heart would be manifest in in this judgment. And he began to explain to us that sometimes the quality of our work would nullify the quantity of our work. 
And so he explained what we would actually be experiencing in this judgment. And then he explained to us that through the work of our life, the stewardship of our life, he reminded us of what he taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he told us that through the work of our life, we're actually building a building in heaven. We're actually constructing it. And he told us in that passage that that building that we're building through our life is built on the foundation of him. And I began to go, oh my goodness, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. Because he revealed to us the foundation that represented himself. If it's possible for that foundation to have been a representation that was almost as glorious as his person, that's what we were beholding. This foundation was massive. It looked like it went on into eternity. And it was made up of, it looked like gold and silver and trillions and trillions of of diamonds it was so spectacular that i again i don't have the words to describe that and he said that as we would come to this judgment the building that we had built through our life would be set upon this foundation that represented him. And, and what he explained to us is that the, the quality and the quantity of our heavenly inheritance would be based on the quality and the quantity of our earthly investment. That though we all came to Christ the same way, but based off of the works that we did, it would be different reward that would be given to each person and he began to explain some of these rewards that we would receive he 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 said some of us would receive crowns he talked about the crown of, of, of righteousness and he said all of you that had my day in view that day when i will finally get the glory that is due my name for those of you that longed for my second coming, you will be rewarded with a crown of righteousness. Those of you that could get your focus off of the temporal things that you could see with your eyes, seeing into a whole different realm, into what is eternal and longing for me to get what I deserve, I'll reward you with a crown today. He, he talked to us about the crown of life he says there are millions and millions of you that laid down your life on my behalf. And for those of you that did that with a pure motive, you will be rewarded today with a crown of life. And yet not only those of you that physically laid your life down, but for those of you that lived in times of great trial and tribulation, you too. If you died to yourself, 
you too will be granted a, a crown of life. He talked about the crown of glory that would be given to those that shepherded the flock. And he reminded us that it wouldn't just be all of the professional, all of the pastors, but it would be for everybody who actually caught the vision of what it was to invest in people and to invest the Word of God into them through the ministry of, uh, of discipleship. And so he, he told us that we're building a building. He says that we would be rewarded with crowns, but he also talked about the fact that part of our reward was the robe that we would wear. And he explained to us that at salvation, he clothed us with his righteousness. And that was, as he explained it, that was the undergarment. But he, he explained to us in Revelation chapter 19 when he talked about the marriage that we had come to. He, he explained to us that what we were actually doing down on the earth through the righteousness of our life is we were actually preparing our wedding garment for this moment and the garment that we would wear throughout all of eternity. Wow. I was beginning to understand this judgment in a whole different way than I ever did when I was down on the earth and I was thinking to myself, oh man, I wish I would have understood this like this when I was on the earth because it would have made things so different. And then he said, but not only will you receive crowns, not only is it a, a building, not only is it robes, but it's also a verbal commendation. He says, I'm going to have the joy to have you stand before me. And I will be able to look you face to face and be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I am well pleased with you. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I can't imagine hearing those words from my Savior and yet hoping beyond hope that I would. And he said, it's, it's now time for the, the judgment to begin. And he said, one by one you will be called. And, and all of a sudden, <laughs> there was such a tension in the air. Can you imagine? Just waiting for that first person to be called. And I was like, oh man, I hope it's not me. <laughs> Angel came to the center of the stage and he took the staff and said, doom, doom, doom. Timulus, Dramanicus. All of a sudden you could see coming from the distance, Timulus, Dramanicus came. And we watched as the first person stood before the Lord and he knelt before him and the Lord had a conversation with him. We we couldn't hear what he was actually saying, but as he was talking, the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ was back here, and all of a sudden we could see the building that he had built through his life. 
and and, and, and while we could see that building, it was almost like there was a, a biographical sketch that came to our minds so that we, we could actually understand this man. And, and, and we, we understood that he was from Lyon, France in the third century. He was, he was poor. He was a, a, a smith by trade. He, he was a, a, a deacon in his church. And he was tortured for his faith. He was put on the rack, which was an instrument back in that period of time in the world where they would put people on it and stretch them till all of the joints and ligaments and muscles in their body are just being pulled apart. And while he was on the rack, they, they scraped him, which they would take sharp objects and just absolutely skin them alive. And, and they did this to, to Timulus, and, and after they had done that, they threw him to the lions and to the leopards, and, and as they threw him out, he lifted his hands to heaven and said, Jesus, I'm yours. The Lord then looked at the building that he had built, and he taught us that he had eyes of fire and that he was a consuming fire. And all of a sudden, those eyes like beams of fire shot out onto that building. And, and there, was some, there was some smoke. Not much. And it was this elaborate building. And then all of a sudden, the building disappeared and his reward was laying upon the foundation and there were these beautiful crowns. And, and the Lord allowed him to go and to take the crowns and we could see as he was leaving the robe that he was wearing, the wedding garment that was so exquisite, so brilliant, so awesome. And we saw, oh man, I don't even know how many people that would, would come before the Lord. There were millions of them that were coming before the Lord and, and, and going through the same exact thing that we had watched with uh, Timulus. And, and, and as I was watching all of this take place, I was, I was noticing some trends that were taking place. I, I noticed that not everybody received that verbal commendation. Not everybody heard. Well done. I, I, I finally figured out, it, it's not just a phrase he's going to use for people who had done well. They will hear, well done. If he was pleased with them, they, he would tell them they were pleased. But not everybody heard the verbal commendation. Some people, when, when the Lord turned in his eyes of fire, attacked that building, wow, it looked like an atomic bomb had gone off because it was built with wood and hay and stubble. And not everybody got crowns. I did notice that everybody got something. Some people just small little nuggets of gold and silver and a precious stone or two. 
I, I, I also noticed that the robes were different. And, and that some people walked away and all they had was the undergarment. Because they didn't live a life of righteousness on the earth. And, and yet I also noticed that after the Lord had looked at the building and had purified all of that, that as they walked away, the Lord looked at them with eyes of love, eyes of compassion, eyes of grace. And then all of a sudden, the angel came to the platform once again. And yelled at, Pomponia! And, and Pomponia was zapped into the Lord's presence. And once again, he, he put his hands on her shoulders and had that conversation with her. And we saw the biographical sketch that she was from the first century in Rome and came to Christ long before Paul had ever even got there. She was the first of the, the, the senatorial class to, to come to Christ and, and went through incredible persecution, even from her husband. And yet, this godly woman of grace put on the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit and was able to lead her husband to the Lord. It was just an incredible thing to watch the Lord love her and the, the building that she had built and the crowns that she received and the robe. It was, it was just so brilliant. And, and then once again, the angel came and pounded the staff and he yelled out, William Carey! And, and I recognized that name. That, that was an, I had read some things about William Carey, and I, I understood, and we, we again saw the biographical sketch in our minds that, that he was an impoverished shoemaker who didn't have two pennies to rub together. And he went to Malta as a missionary. He then went to India as a missionary. He became known as the father of modern missions. And there was this incredible thing that the Lord did. And again, remember, Muriel had taught me about this thing about time and how it was different here. And, and, and we were able to understand the influence of, of lives upon lives and how that even becomes generational. And, and, and so the Lord says, if you are here today because of the influence of William Carey, would you stand to your feet? <sighs> Guys, it was, it was just so unbelievable. Thousands upon thousands, and yea, millions of people stood to their feet because of the influence of this man and the crowns that he was rewarded with, the robe that he went back to his seat wearing was just so absolutely incredible. The angel came. Boom, boom, boom. Angela Moser. And as the name Angela Moser was called, all of a sudden, above the stadium, the angels were 
fluttering. And I thought to Muriel, I said, Muriel, she's something special, isn't she? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, well, what did she do? What did she build? What, what did she start? He goes, oh, none of that. He, he, he said, this, this woman never got married because she was taking care of her sickly mother and her invalid sister. She was a public school teacher and did her best to provide for them. But listen, the reason that the angels are so fluttering right now is because we have a saying about Angela. Demons, 10,000 demons quake in their shoes at her prayers. And I began to think, oh my goodness, man. Did I miss the boat on that? I began to just see the prayer life. And, and, and what this woman was actually able to accomplish because of her prayers. And a woman that didn't do jack as far as what we thought down on the earth. And the Lord says, if you're here because of the prayers of Angel, and once again, we just knew everybody understood that had been influenced by her prayers. If you have been influenced by her prayers, would you stand to your feet? And all of a sudden, man, all over the room, people changed by the power of a praying woman. And then the angel came. Boom, boom, boom. Joseph Ray Robinson. All of a sudden, Joseph Ray Robinson was before the Lord. And as we saw his biographical sketch, we saw that he was an African-American that was born during the Depression, and he was ostracized because of his race, and yet he never got bitter. He didn't have the same opportunities that other kids had, but his mama knew Jesus, and she would take her King James Bible and teach him to read, and he fell in love with his savior and he grew up had a family of eight kids loved the lord saw his kids come to know christ he, he drove limousines for a period of time he shined shoes for a period of time he became a secure uh, a security guard this was joe and i was seeing joe like I had never seen him. That very morning, I wouldn't have given you two cents for Joe. And I realized, here, I am not worthy to shine his shoes. He was rewarded with crowns and an incredible robe. And then the next woman came Juanita Perez and yeah this is my cleaning lady and I began to understand some things that I never even asked her about her, her husband deserted her with four little kids and she worked two jobs one of them cleaning 
my office. And I began to understand as I saw her biographical sketch that this precious woman, prayed for my wife and my kids more than I did. And again, I didn't have the time to even say boo to this woman. And then I found myself wanting to spend the next thousand years with her. And then I knew it was coming, y'all. The angel came. Daniel James Mathewson. And so I left my seat and came up the steps. And I looked into my Savior's face. And he said, Come closer. And he had a conversation with me. I realized that this this was the conversation that he was having with everybody who who came. And he says, Daniel, I want you to understand the, the purpose of this judgment is not punishment. It's stewardship. What's what's happening here is we're evaluating what you did with what I gave you. I gave you 50 years down on the earth, 35 years after your salvation. And so now what's getting ready to happen is we're going to evaluate your life and the resources that were granted to you and see if there is anything of any eternal significance. He says, I want you to understand the time of this judgment, Daniel. He says, this, is, this judgment is coming at the end of time because sometimes the, a person's full impact of their life can't really be seen until the end of time because it, it just goes on and, and on and on, the influence of a person's life. And I, I thought about William Carey, and I, I thought about Angela Moser with her prayer life and, and how the impact that they had impacted other people. And they got partial credit for how those people impacted the other people. And when those people impacted other people, got partial credit for that. And so the timing of the judgment. And then he explained to me the process. And he says, okay, so everything after you are saved is represented in this building. And all y'all. I looked and I saw the foundation of Christ. And I saw that pillar shack that sat upon this incredible foundation. And I took a big, deep breath. And he says, Daniel, we're about to walk through your entire life. And you see, when other people were having their judgment, it it just seemed like it was, you know, like maybe a minute. But again, we're outside the realm of time. And 
I found out that what was happening is people at that judgment were walking through their entire life. And I realized I'm about to see my life unfold right before me. But this time, I'm going to be seeing it through the eyes of Jesus. And recognizing that, immediately I thought to myself, oh, if only when I was living my life down on the earth, I could have had the spiritual wherewithal to understand that I needed to be seen every single day of my life through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, getting my eyes off of the temporal things that I could see and into that eternal realm. And Jesus said, are you ready? I'm, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. And You've heard people say, my, my life passed before me. Well, my life passed before me, y'all. And I'm walking back through the 50 years of my life that the Lord had given to me. And I, I'm seeing when I, when I was born. And, and I, I'm seeing the, the love that my parents bestowed upon me. But for the first 15 years of my life and my lost condition, as I was seeing it all unfold, I was just overtaken with sin. All I could see was sin and self and, and Satan and all of the, the darkness. And, and, and yet what was so fascinating is that even though I could see all of that, as I looked at the Lord, recognizing he doesn't see it and it reminded me that the blood of jesus christ cleanses us from all sin and i saw myself as a 15 year old teenager and I saw myself sitting in a service, and I, I could see on the inside of me. I could see the, the darkness. I could even see the spiritual blinders on my eyes. And, and as the man was preaching the gospel, I began to see the light of the glorious gospel that shined past those blinders and ripped them apart. I watched as I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. I watched the darkness be removed as I was translated from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of His dear Son. And it was the most incredible thing. And I saw my salvation like I had never seen it before and i thought to myself oh, man if i just could have understood what my salvation was when i was living down there i saw that moment when i was placed into his family and i looked at the lord and he had tears streaming down his face And he says, okay, now, now we can go to work. Okay, the first 15 years of your life is incinerated. Now we're going to be able to walk back through your life and see if there's anything of eternal 
significance. And obviously, I don't have 35 years to explain this to you, but let me just, let me just boil it down to three observations that, that I, I, I saw as I was encountering this incredible judgment. As I was looking at over the course of my life, as the Lord was taking me through it, one of the things that I was just taking, taken with is that Jesus opinion of me is paramount what jesus thinks of me is the most important thing it's more important than what anyone else thinks and it's more important than what everybody else combined thinks and yet i I noticed this pattern in me that through my life I had this strong desire to want to be somebody, to be cool, to be popular, to be noticed. I, I, I saw it in the, my elementary years, even before I came to Christ. Me and my friend Jimmy were, Jimmy was a great guy. We were in sixth grade, we're playing on the monkey bars and just having a big time doing what sixth graders do. And, and some of the older kids from the middle school came by, and they said, hey, Daniel, we're, uh, we're playing some football. You want to play? And I said, yeah, man, we'd love to play. Well, n- n- not, not Jimmy. We, we, we just want you. And, and I remember I, lo- I looked at Jimmy. Jimmy looked at me, and he goes, hey, go ahead, man. It's cool. Really? Yeah, man, it, it's cool. And, and so I, I went and played ball with him, and, I made it into their group and left Jimmy behind. And wow, looking back on it, what a joke. Why was, why did I have to feel like I had to make it into the in crowd? I, I, I saw it in my college years. Even after I came to, to Christ, I, my roommate was this guy, Jerry. And man, we just bonded like crazy, man. And I, I, you know, it came time for the fraternities to pledge, and all of a sudden, one night, came into our room, the, the big frat boys, and they said, hey, man, we want you to be a part of our group, and I looked at them, and I said, yeah, man, we would love to. Oh, no, we're not talking about Jerry, we're talking about you, and I looked at Jerry, and Jerry looked at me, and he goes, hey, it's cool, man, this is a great opportunity, and I said, really? He said, yeah, go for it, man. And so I got into this fraternal, and I said, Lord, what was the deal, man? Why, why was I that way? Why did I need that attention from everybody else? And he explained to me, don't, don't you remember I told you that I was the bread of life? And unless you fed on me, you would hunger for people. Daniel, you didn't feast on my word, and so you had this constant need to be accepted by, by the group. And all of a sudden, from the judgment seat, man, I'm finding, wow, you sure see things different from here. The second observation that I made is that what is worthwhile on earth is worthless 
in heaven and what is worth less on earth is way worthwhile in heaven and i saw just how important people were to jesus I I saw the way that he loved him and the way that that he had called us to love people. And somehow I had gotten to the place in my life where people were just like scenery to me. They were just the backdrop of my life to make me look good, to help me with my goals and uh, to accomplish my purposes. began to see that I wasn't going to have many worthwhile things that I had done on the earth and yet the Lord took me back to shortly after I was saved I was in the youth group and there was a a young lady that came in and I could see that she wasn't really fitting in and so I I befriended her her name was Sandy and I I I started talking with her and I said yeah you're new here and she said yeah and I yeah, hey, do you feel like you're a part of the group? Eh, not really. And so I started introducing her to some of the other people in the youth group and, and to the, the workers. And, and, and man, she was starting to fit in. And I, I talked to her at school and I began to give her my testimony of, of how I came to Christ. And, and she said, Christ did that for you? Do you think Christ could do that for me? And I, I had the chance shortly after I was saved to be able to lead Sandy to the Lord. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, there, there's something. And, and I, I said, Lord, wh- wh- where is Sandy? He, he said, she's here, and she can't wait to talk to you because she wants to thank you for the investment that you made in her life. Because what happened with Sandy is Sandy went off to college and she started an evangelistic Bible study and was used to to see college students come to Christ. And, And then she got married and she invested in her kids and she invested in her church. She won people to Christ. She made disciples in her local church and 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 listen. All of these people who she impacted, as they went on to impact others, there's partial credit for you. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is what life was supposed to be about. And I was so close right there after I first got saved. And I thought to myself, if I could just go back. And, and, And he reminded me of of Peggy. I got into the frat house and went through all of the frat house girls and even as a believer became sexually active there and I I, I met this girl Peggy and man she was so wholesome she was so different and I started dating her and it didn't take me long to take her down the wrong path and and we became sexually active, and, and we had this crazy, ugly breakup, and, and I was seeing all of that unfold, and I said, Lord, where, where is, where's, where's Peggy? And he said, Daniel, she's down on the earth. She went through three husbands, two of them abused her, and she's down on the earth, and she's already taken the mark of the beast. 
just a little while she'll go to hell and after the great white throne judgment she will be cast forever into the lake of fire. Which leads me to the third observation. That things just look different from the judgment seat. All of that physical gratification and all of the popularity, all of the coolness just seems so stupid, so trivial, so worthless at this place. And he said, Daniel, your judgment is now complete. I I gave you incredible financial resources. And Daniel, you'll be interested to know that you were in the top 2% of people who had ever lived in terms of financial gain. And yet you gave less than people who were in the bottom 2%. And that's why, Daniel, I could never trust you with the true riches. I was using those finances to see if I could trust you with what really matters to me, my word and the souls of people. He said, Daniel, I've given you the investment of people in your life. I gave you godly parents. I gave you youth workers. I gave you good pastors. You squandered that. And Daniel, the worthless things in your life far outshadow the worthwhile. The the temporal things, Daniel, far outshadowed the eternal. And I got to tell you, hearing those words, I just crumbled. And I wept. And I wept. For a believer in Jesus Christ, what could be what could be worse than hearing that? And then I found out. He, he told me, Daniel, the overall summarization of your life is you left your first love. He raised me up and his eyes turned to that shack that was built on that incredible foundation. And and was all said and done. There was a few little pieces of gold and a piece of silver and a little precious stone. And I I went and I took that. I looked and I saw that I only was clothed with the righteous robe that the Lord Jesus Christ had purchased for me not the one that I had prepared for myself I was standing before him naked as it were and yet after his eyes did all of that and 
he put his arms around me and he brought me out to the front and he says, my, my dearly beloved, welcome, Daniel James Matthewson. And oh, people all over were applauding and, and, and I was recognizing he, he's not going to condemn me. He's not going to condemn me. And I was reminded, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And I made my way back to my seat, and all of a sudden, one of the guys came from the distance, and he laid his crowns down at the Lord's feet. And as he did that, others from all over the arena began to come. And the most incredible expression of worship as people were laying crowns and jewels and gold and silver at his feet as an act of worship. And I was recognizing at that moment that what they were offering was actually a capacity to worship that they would take with them through all of eternity. And all over the place, every single person came recognizing that the reward they had received, they weren't worthy of receiving, and they cast it to the only one who was worthy. And it was the most incredible worship experience that you could ever possibly imagine. And we were all, with all of the crowns and jewels all around him, we were all prostrate before him. And the Lord says, all rise. And we stood to our feet. And he says, now I would like for you to get with your families and those that you love and just spend time the loved ones that had gone before you. Some of you have not seen them in eternity. And you're going to be able to have this celebration. And so all at once, it's like we all knew exactly where to go. And, and man, wow. I, I came and I saw my wife. And I just threw my arms around her. And I said, babe, I love you. And I saw my kids. And we, I, I, I threw my arms around her, told him I loved him. My mom and my dad and the people that had invested in my life and influenced my life. And, and it was this just, and this was happening all over heaven, man. Just the most incredible thing. And all of a sudden, I mean, I, I had seen so many things. I had heard so many things in, in heaven. And then all of a sudden, I, I heard this sound. And it was weird. Because it, it, was, it was annoying, actually. And I'm, I'm like, what, what in the world? And I opened my eyes. And... I'm looking, and I'm in my house. And I look over, and my, my wife is sleeping in the bed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was just a dream. I, 
I, I looked at my wife and I said, girl. Life's going to be different for you. And I went into the bedroom of my kids and I poked my head in there. And I prayed for my kids like I had never prayed for my kids. went out into the living room and I took my Bible and I looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and I, I looked at Romans 14 and I looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I said, you know what, for the most part, man, my dream was pretty much right on. And I was like, but oh my goodness, I, if I could just go back. That was so awesome. And, and then it was just like the Spirit of God just came all over me. And I, I was all through that whole experience, I just kept saying, if I could only go back, if I could go back to the earth, I would, I would see it so differently. I would do my, it all just so differently. I would live my life on a whole different realm if I could just go back. And I thought to myself, I got that chance. I've got the chance to change eternity right now and for the rest of my life. And right there where I was seated, I began to pray. And I said, oh God, by your grace and by your mercy, I surrender myself to you. All that I am to all that you are. And from this day forward, Lord, live your life through me. And my brothers and sisters, We all have that chance tonight. I, I hope that as we had this little different service that maybe you could put yourself in, in that whole arena. And, and maybe you were thinking of your life and the way that you've invested it. choices that you've made thinking oh god i can't do anything to change that now so i'm gonna own it but from this day forward by your grace and by your mercy i'm yours